0: I'll be reading from Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31, from the New Living Translation. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31. As soon as they were freed, uh, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Once they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O Sovereign Lord! creator of the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, all the people of Israel, united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in speaking your word. Stretch out your hand with holy power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. For those of you who I haven't met, my name is Brian Kinchelow, and I'm a member of the evangelical committee here at the church. Brad, could you get that slide on on there, please? Uh, We're going to be... We we are creating an event that's happening on November 23rd from 6 in the evening till about 7.30, and it's at the Holiday Inn uh, in Spruce Grove. We're going to be having speaker Thomas Bailey from Creation Ministries International come out and uh, do a talk on science and the Bible and how how the two go hand in hand with a proper worldview. Uh, It's important to know that as a Christian... This is our foundation, the Bible. This is what we have all our beliefs in. And there's some major events in the Bible. It's a history book as well. Creation, Noah's flood, the Tower of Babel, the Great Exodus. Do we have, do we have evidences of this happening? Can we put our whole faith in this Bible? I grew up uh, in a Christian household Uh, I accepted Jesus into my life, but as I grew up, I had questions and they went unanswered. And so I found that something that doesn't make sense in the mind, the faith falls apart in the heart. And so this is a time when you can come and hear, this is going to be more of a science approach to things, about how we look at the world, how we look at the universe, and with the proper worldview, it will confirm what the Bible says. says, And this has made a huge impact on my life. And I can absolutely say that the last real truth with a capital T is the Bible. And so I invite you to come out November 23rd. That's not this Thursday. It's the following Thursday from 6 in the evening until 7.30 at the Holiday Inn. Uh, It's a free event. And uh, there's going to be a lecture and then question-answer time. Bring your questions and also bring your friends. It's an outreach event. The whole community is invited. So I invite you to come. I'm very excited for it. I hope to see you there.
1: Thanks. A
2: couple of things here before we get started. I want to uh, show my appreciation to uh, Brian uh, and his willingness to uh, read the scriptures with such passion. More than that, memorize it and uh, to share and to help it come alive. Can we show our appreciation for all the hard work? It's fantastic. Secondly, I would encourage you to, to yes, come out on the 23rd. Invite your friends and those who are wrestling with issues of faith. Uh, It's a great opportunity to engage in all kinds of conversations um, in regards to uh, Jesus Christ and uh, the Word of God. There's such an assault, isn't there, against the Word of God and uh, in some senses against the evangelical uh, church. It just seems like every time I open up my app to read the news, there's another story uh, where there seems to be uh, uh, you know, an assault against evangelical Christians and what they believe and adhere to. And it's so important that we know how to rightly respond. And uh, we've been in this journey through the book of Acts, where we've been wrestling with um, uh, the truths of the Scripture, the importance of the Holy Spirit... And how he is available to fill us and to help us to be the witnesses in the world uh, that we uh, live in. I love how the disciples respond to this persecution. Let's just back up a little bit and remind ourselves how we got to where we are. Uh, The disciples had headed to the temple to pray. And as they gathered to pray, they, they went into the temple. They saw a lame man they went over to him, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. Uh, he gets up and he begins to praise God. They continue on to their prayer meeting. Following that, all who knew him gather around the disciples because they are shocked that this lame man from birth in the age of 40 was walking. No consequences to uh, this defect that he had from birth. It was completely healed. Peter and John gather this large crowd together and they begin to preach about Jesus Christ and him risen in the midst of this. the temple leaders and the temple uh, uh, che- uh, guard i 'm sorry come and they stop Peter. they throw him in jail and John. And the following day, they stand before a council to give in a defense for what it is that they were proclaiming. More than that, they gave a defense for this man who was healed. The council realizes that many people are believing. They realize that uh, that they, they can't argue with what is happening because the lame man is standing beside them. And yet, on that council, you'll remember Caiaphas and Annas are on the council, and they too were key figures in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, not three months earlier or four months earlier. And their pride wells up within them. Uh, God, in His sovereign grace, extends to them an invitation to repent and to turn to Him, and yet they refuse. Their response is to tell Peter and John that they ought not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ anymore. They put all kinds of pressure on them and uh, try to force them to stop. It's after these things that we find ourselves today. Let's take a moment to pray and then we'll dive into this. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word this morning. Thank you that it is alive. Forgive us, Lord, for when we've taken your word and taken it for granted. When when we've not taken your word seriously, when, when we've made other things our priority instead of your word, people died that we would have your word in our common language. History tells us it's so. And so, Father, as we dive into your word here this morning, I pray that it would, through the power of your Spirit, transform our lives. I wonder what it would have looked like. That all the people, as they gathered together and pray, as we just read and heard from Brian, were filled with the Spirit. And their gathering, the place of their gathering, shook by the presence of the Lord. May it be so in our day, we pray. Come and speak, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, they are released from this Council of 72, and they head back to their friends. I, I really appreciate uh, this story, this encounter. I think to myself, how do we respond when there's opposition Early in my faith, uh, as I had gone off to Bible college, I had kind of a misunderstanding as to people's response. I had an unhealthy expectation that people would respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ positively. I I just assumed that people weren't Christians because they hadn't heard the message. That they didn't know that Jesus Christ had died on the cross for their sins. that, That he is risen, that he has conquered sin and death. And that if they just knew this truth, they would respond to the gospel. The reason people weren't believers was because they didn't know. And it was simply an act of declaring the good news of Jesus Christ and people would respond favorably. I had no idea about the spiritual battle that is going on around the gospel of Jesus Christ. I had no idea about the depravity of people, the brokenness of people. I did not understand that people were not necessarily uh, believers simply because they hadn't heard the message, but because something within them a pride, a self-sufficiency, uh, something within them resisted the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember uh, uh, as I was uh, in Bible college, you know, we, we were learning how to do evangelism. And so we were sent forth to preach the gospel. We were put on teams and we were uh, partnering with churches and we'd go out and, and uh, do door to door. And in New Brunswick, door-to-door was a different kind of thing. People really uh, loved to talk about religion. It's kind of the Bible belt. And and so it was often wonderful to go door-to-door in New Brunswick. By and large, the question we would ask is, what kind of pie are you serving? Uh, Because we just ate apple. And if you're serving something different, we'll sit down and enjoy a piece of pie with you. Seriously, people, by and large, in New Brunswick were very welcoming especially in the country. As far as I was concerned, the people who didn't hear the gospel were those with big dogs. I, I, I just was so afraid to approach the door. And so, you know, I'd say, Lord, someone else will have to come back. I just lacked the courage. And um, and and so here I am early in my Christian journey and sharing the gospel with many people. And I didn't understand this this idea of opposition to the gospel. It just... Didn't really uh, grasp it. I should make a little side note here. Some people think that everyone is strongly opposed, and that's not biblical either, or healthy or helpful. But, anyways, uh, we go up to this door, me and this young lady who I was teamed with, and we knock on the door, and, and this gentleman yells, Come in! And I thought, oh man, you know, wow, I'm from out east, uh, west, you know, Ontario, we, we would never say that, but okay, so I, I cracked the door and I said, hi, my name is Scott. I thought maybe he was expecting someone else. He said, I'm in the living room. And I remember looking at the person I was with, I was like, what do we do? Do we just kind of walk in? And I guess so, so we opened the door not knowing where the living room was, but followed our way to the voice. And sure enough, this fellow was uh, in the living room sitting in a, uh, a lazy boy chair. He had a TV, uh, I can still remember, a TV dinner tray. You remember those? Those? DVD? Yeah, okay. So he had one of those sitting beside him. And uh, I said, hi, my name is Scott. I'm with such and such a church, and we're out sharing the good news. We're inviting people to a gospel concert. Uh, there's going to be some dueling banjos. It's going to be excellent. You come on out. And uh, he said, oh, that's interesting. I said, yeah. I said, by the way, have you ever heard the gospel? He said, no. I said, well, you got a few minutes. He said, sure. And so here I am thinking this is going to go really well. And so I I start off. I said, hey, my friend, God loves you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And and that's the, the, the heartbeat of God. But the problem is we've all sinned. And our sin has separated us from God. And the consequences of sin is death. I said to him, and he's nodding with me. He's like, "Yeah, I'm with you. I'm tracking with him. This is fantastic. I mean, this, there's not even going to be a discussion. I mean, I may just give an invitation right now, and sure enough, he'll he'll come to Christ." I said, "Well, God saw us in our sin and knew that we deserved death, and what He did is He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sin." God in flesh dwelt among us, and he paid in full for all our sins. If we call on his name and repent, he'll save us. I said, sir, would you like to do that? He said, no. I I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I, I said, sir, uh, sir do you, do you, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Do, do you mind? Can I just go over this one more time? Yeah, yes, he says. I said, okay. I said, God loves you. He goes, I agree. A- and he desires a relationship with you. But the problem is, we've sinned. And our sin separates us from God. And the consequence of sin is death. I'll never forget it. He took his finger and he pointed at me and he said, you don't know what I've done. You don't know. I said, sir, I I don't know. I said, but I don't need to know what you've done. Sir, you need to know that what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient for whatever it is you've done. He paid the highest price. He paid the highest price. His gift, his blood is sufficient for all your sins. Repent and turn to him. I'll never forget. I begged that man to come to Christ and he didn't. Friends, there's an opposition to the gospel that when you understand and know the gospel in some senses, it doesn't make sense. Because the gospel is a free gift to be received, it's not something to be earned. It's what God has done for us based on his love towards us. And yet, there's a resistance to the gospel. People are are, are resistant to it. And that's what's happening here. You got uh, Caiaphas and Ananus that are resisting the invitation by a sovereign God to repent. They refuse. They would rather live in their sin. They would rather live in the condemnation of the things that they've done instead of receiving what Christ has done. And the effect of this unwillingness to repent ripples out into the temple. It ripples out into into Jerusalem Jerusalem. These guys and and this council who refused to receive Christ, their, their hardness of heart ripples out. Friends, they despised the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were preaching that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He was the anointed one. He was the one whom God had sent, who was the perfect sacrifice, and he died on the cross. But they also preached that he was risen. He was risen. And that he conquered sin and death. Listen, they despised the message. We have read about their their despising of the message of the resurrection. They didn't like it. They didn't like that these guys were preaching that, but they were stuck because the very man who, who was the proof of the resurrection and the message of Christ stood beside them. Friends, all they needed to do to shut down the gospel. Forget about the threats. Forget about the bullying. All they need to do is produce the body. I mean, they're in Jerusalem. Uh, The grave of Joseph of Artemis, where Jesus had had been uh, buried, was not far away. And yet there was no body there was no body for them uh, to get in order to, in order to disprove the message. Friends, there's oppositions to the gospel. There is. And I love how they respond. They come back and they tell uh, the community uh, uh, about, about uh, how um, uh, the, the chief priests and the elders had responded. And look what the community does. When they heard it, They lifted their voices together to God and said, I I love this response. They didn't cower. They they didn't 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 go and do a self-pity trip. Oh, man, are you kidding me? I I mean, I'm preaching the gospel. Someone's getting healed, and 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 I get thrown in jail. they, they don't begin to pray for the, the temple leaders and, and the government, even though the scriptures teach us that we are to pray for our government and our leaders. They don't do that. They, they, they take a different approach. It's similar to Evelyn Christensen who's, who wrote a book called Lord Change Me. Sometimes, as Christians, we're so busy praying that God will change everyone else around us And they're not willing to be changed. And we forget that we are willing, that that the Spirit of the living God dwells within us, and that if we're willing, He can change us and use us in the midst of a broken and fallen world. They pray. Now look at what they pray. They say this as they raise their voice. And I love that it's collective. It's it's not just, you know, Peter, Andrew, and the lame guy kind of walking out, licking their wounds, going, Oh, man, let's pray about this. What just happened? No, No, they gather the community together. They report all that had happened. And they begin to pray, Sovereign Lord. Love that. And they recognize that God is in charge. He hasn't, he's not responding to the reality around, he's not biting his nails in heaven going, oh no, what a mess. No, no, sovereign Lord, who has made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our, uh, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And the people plot in vain. The king Uh, Kings of the earth have set themselves and rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. They, 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 They rest and find peace in the sovereignty of God. God is in charge. He is sovereign. They rest in the truth of the scriptures. How important, friends, it is that we would know God's word. Not in a cursory way, not, not just sort of at, at a glance, not in a simplistic way, but that we would dive in deep into God's Word. That we would, that we would make it our priority, that we wouldn't replace it. with so many things that, that may encourage us. And, but there's nothing like God's Word. They, they go to God's Word and they quote Psalm 2. Verses 1 and 2. And they remind themselves that God's not out of control. That the Gentiles do rage against the people. And they plot in vain. They remind themselves that the kings of the earth set themselves. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord. And against his anointed, the Messiah, Jesus They live in the truth of God's word and they hold on fastly to it. They go to prayer and they allow the truth of God's word to permeate their heart. For truly, in the city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. See, they remind themselves of what has happened, that it was Herod and Pontius Pilate who rallied against God's anointed Jesus Christ the Lord. It was the people of Israel who said, crucify Jesus Christ, give us the murderer. They see the fulfillment of Scripture in their midst and they find peace and encouragement there. It is these people, they go on to say, that did whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Friends, to deny the sovereignty of God is to deny the Scriptures. God in His sovereignty. God is not out of control. God is completely in control Uh, The scriptures declare it. Do I understand it? No. No, to understand the sovereignty of God and how it plays out in human history is to be God. And yet I affirm the truth that he is sovereign. No question about it. And yet in the midst of this, there's the responsibility of man. You see, the, uh, the disciples take note about Pontius Pilate and about Herod. They were responsible for the actions that they played. It was the wife of Pontius Pilate who said, Do nothing with this man, for I've had dreams about him. Let him go. It was pa- Pontius Pilate who washed his hands and said, I see no guilt in this man. He did all that he could, and yet he was responsible for his actions. These two parallel truths are found in Scripture that God is completely sovereign, and at the same time, the responsibility of man is evident throughout the Scriptures. To understand them is to be God. God's sovereignty isn't threatened by the the will of man, it's just not. God's sovereignty is far greater, far more profound than that. And yet we're fully responsible. We are responsible. And so they they pray and they rest in this truth of God and his sovereignty. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. I love this. They turn their attention in prayer collectively together, recognizing the reality of the situation they're living and not pretending that it doesn't exist. And they say, Lord, change me. Change me. Make me bold. I want to be bold. I love this prayer. May it be our response when there's a resistance to the truth of God's gospel that we would be bold. May it be our response when threats are granted against the servants of Christ that that we would be bold, that we wouldn't shrink back, but that we boldly proclaim the gospel. For it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that leads unto salvation. May it be our prayer that God would change us and transform us into boldness. This truth is found in Ephesians chapter 6 when Paul is speaking to the church of Ephesus. And he says in chapter 6, Take your stand, for we battle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Put it on. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the girdle of truth. Put on the uh, sandals of the gospel of peace. Pick up your shield of faith that every fiery dart will be extinguished. Grab your sword of the Spirit and fight with God's Word. And then he goes on to say this, pray for me. Pray for me that my words will, may be given to the opening of my mouth that boldly uh, that my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul, the greatest church planner the world has ever known, the guy who stood before emperors and kings, the guy who stood before uh, pagans all over the world, he says to the Church of Ephesus, "You pray for me, pray that i 'll be bold in proclaiming the mystery of the gospel." for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. May this be our prayer, O church, in our day, that we would proclaim the truth of the gospel with boldness. That doesn't mean that we'll be rude or that we'll be hurtful, but we'll be bold in proclaiming the gospel, that our confidence in the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ would increase in the midst of our circumstances, and that we would boldly proclaim the gospel. Look how they wrap up their prayer. While you stretch out your hand with healing and signs and wonders performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. There's this anticipation that God is going to work. That he's going he's to work in their midst. And in their midst, as they stretch out the hand, they prayed. They prayed that, uh, that God would give them boldness. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Some would read that and go, that's what it's all about. Oh, that God would shake the foundation. Oh, that God would stir in a physical way right here, right now. But don't get distracted by the physical manifestation of God. He he, it's his prerogative to do what he wants. But listen to this. This is far more profound. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. As I was standing here this morning, I was thinking, oh Lord, what would that look like? That all in our gathering, all in our gathering were filled with the Holy Spirit. In our day, Lord, in our day, that there would be a unity, a fullness of the Spirit, a submission to the work of the Spirit. And they continued, they, plural, they continued to to speak the Word of God with boldness. May this be our prayer as individuals, but more than that, as a community. I'm going to call the worship team out here this morning. I don't want to just talk about uh, what the Word of God states and declares, but why not put into action the very things that God is teaching us to pray for boldness. I've asked a few people in our fellowship to come and to pray up here on the front, and so I'm going to ask if Emmeline would uh, get us started as the worship music gets going, and then uh, Alita and Terry, you guys can follow. Let's stand together. Let's pray that God would give us boldness, more than that, church, that he would fill us with his Spirit. Amen? That we would be a changed people, not for our own sake, but a lost and dying world would know that Jesus Christ is the hope for all people. For all people. Emmeline?
1: Praise you, O Lord. Give us hearts that are quick to repent and turn to you when we sin. Help us to be teachable and tender to the leading of your spirit and say no to our flesh. Give us the courage to know our weaknesses so we may see your greatness and build wisely. Lead us to your unfailing love that we might find boldness as we walk with you. Fill us with your spirit, empower us with your conviction, courage and urgency to reach the lost. And so we pray, Lord, that we shall receive boldness and access with thy confidence through our faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Dear God in heaven, we thank you that you are God over all. And we thank you that you have made a way for people to be uh, delivered from their sin, from their bondage, from their pride from their wantonness. And we are all broken, Lord, in some way. And everyone here needs to fall at your feet and whatever we need to put on the altar, that we will put it on there and let you take over. We thank you, Father, that as far as the east is from the west, so far has removed, he removed our transgressions from us. We thank you that he is powerful to to take any sin away, He is powerful to open the eyes of the blind and preach deliverance to the captives Mm -hmm. we thank you that uh, nothing is too hard for the lord Mm -hmm. he is able to do anything and everything beyond what we can imagine or ask or think and we thank you lord for your holy spirit which is the 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 person who makes it all happen Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful love. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Dear Loving Father, we are a company of believers here endowed with the Holy Spirit, and we thank you. We thank you for the gathering here that we have, the emblems that speak of your sight. We speak of your greatness and the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we thank you for the scriptures read again, Lord. That should be an encouragement for us as a church and individuals to realize the going forward, the responsibility, that the word of God was planted in our heart. We are ambassadors for you. Be that the word be going forth in whatever avenue or community, whether it's within our community where we live or with missionaries, the encouragement and the boldness You have given us the privilege of the Word. Be that we don't hide the Word, but we encourage the Word, build the Word, and send it forth whatever avenue. Be that the kingdom would be added unto. And so encouraging in the the book of Acts that 3,000 were added daily. What a wonderful thing that would be to see, Lord. But we still have the uh, opportunity to see that great work. And be that we trans past the governance the attitude that is so ungodly to your word be that in the closing times of your time of of uh, <clears throat> prophetic times lord that you show your way lord and give us the avenue and be bold for you lord and that we can celebrate that there will be people added unto daily in this congregation lord proclaiming the word and we're going to say Amen to your greatness, Lord. We do pray, Amen.
4: Um in first Timothy four verse twelve, it says that don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so, Lord, we pray for the youths, we pray for the young adults. Lord, we are sinners. Sometimes we fall down, sometimes we cry, and sometimes we give up. We are weak, Lord, but we know that with you we are strong. I pray for our generation that we would stand boldly with you and your word. Help us be strong and hold on to your promises. Help us stand in truth that you are God and nothing and no one could ever stop you. Thank you for being such an amazing Father. Amen. Mm
5: -hmm. We're going to sing this next song, Overcome. And the words say that all authority and every victory is yours. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's nothing that we can't do. When Jesus left us, he left us with the Holy Spirit. When he sent his disciples out, he sent them with his Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and faith. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, those things are multiplied beyond what we can imagine. The song also says we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb is what Jesus has already done for us. And the word of our testimony... Is his life flowing through us when we speak out scripture, when we speak out truth and love to others? So let's just sing that over our congregation as a prayer of boldness to live by the Spirit.